praise the Lord. My worship leaders, please, when you finish, you take your tissues. Amen. Please, please, this is the second time. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Keep the podium clear. Amen. All right, demons are subject to us. Volume 4. It says, understand the nature of evil spirits. Receive deliverance and walk in dominion over them. Hallelujah. Understand the nature of evil spirits. Receive deliverance and walk in dominion over them. Message number three. That's the third message in the third in the fourth volume. Broken borders number ten. I want you to understand that what we are dealing with here, each one of the things that we are dealing like as broken borders are things that they are subject by themselves. Have you noticed that? Are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? But we're trying to, you know, uh, be brief with each of them. And yet there's so much truth. So by broken borders, we are talking about unscriptural set of attitudes. Unscriptural set of attitudes, words, or manners of speaking, actions, practices that compromise the spiritual wall of defense that God has put around our human personalities. Please, before I forget, tomorrow there's Bible study. Amen? Praise God. Amen. So, and these things, each one of them is clearly forbidden in the Bible. And each time men, especially God's people, allow those things to operate in their lives, our, their spiritual defenses are compromised, and that will lead to invasion of their personality, their personalities by demons. Is that clear? And now, this is one of the truths that are so clear, so blunt, and people can argue about it. I think the test, the test of the pudding is in the eating. There's a biblical, biblical principles there. For instance, he that breaks the hedge, a serpent will bite. It's not just for unbelievers. It's, in fact, it's much more for believers. Because the unbeliever is already in the, the, the hand of the serpent. It's already in the serpent's zoo. The unbeliever is not, there's no hedge around the unbeliever. The one that actually has a hedge is the believer. Is that correct? Think about it. God doesn't put a hedge around the unbeliever. But who, around whom does God put a hedge? The believer. Let's face it. So that word is spoken to God's people. Because why I'm emphasizing this is that a lot of people, believers and preachers have the impression that once you're saved, you can do anything you like. You see? They say you will still make heaven. Okay. If you make heaven, you better make it with two legs. 
I know the Bible says somewhere, if your right hand or your left leg or whatever will lead you to say you cut it off so that, yeah, that's if they will. But people, I have to let you know, brothers and sisters, when you are saved, now, and the idea there is that we, 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 the, as long as you're saved, you enter heaven, you go to heaven. That's a different topic altogether. But I can tell you is that as a believer, as a born-again Christian, you are not allowed to do whatever you please. And if you do, you will discover that there are consequences. And one of the consequences is demonic oppression. And don't let anybody deceive you by telling you that a Christian cannot be oppressed by demons. There is not one scripture in the Bible that gives you that assurance. Not one. And we will get to talk about that. There's a chapter in that book that says, can a Christian have a demon? Amen? And I'm not going to start answering it now. We're dealing with the things that compromise our spiritual defenses. And the implication is this. There are two major implications about this truth that we are dealing with now. Number one, it means that there are things you can do to avoid them. Is that clear? Praise God. Number two is that if you don't pay attention to them and avoid them, they will open you up to demonic invasion and oppression. It's as clear as day and night, light and day, light and darkness. Are you all following? All right. And also, in dealing with those who are oppressed by demons, that the knowledge of these things come handy. Those who work with me can tell you. It's easy to tell people where, how these things came in. In fact, if when you're praying with people and you begin to lead them to denounce some of these things, you, you, you see greater manifestations than when you start praying for them. Are you all following what I'm saying? When you begin to close the door, these doors, when you, by denouncing them and renouncing them, they get terrified and they come up with serious counterattack. My workers can tell you, and some of you have gone through it, you know. Are you all following? Praise the Lord. And the fact that I'm teaching it, I'm teaching these things, exposing them, they are not happy about that. How would you think if you are here, you have a secret, and I stand here and exposing your secret? You'd be looking at me and say, I don't know what to do with pastor. You make arrangements with how you're going to see me after. And sometimes you'll be thinking whether you continue with this ministry or not. That's how serious things are. And that's what the evil spirits are dealing with. I, 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 that's their mode of frame of mind now. Should we continue? This guy is exposing us. All right. So we looked at some of the attitudes and words and actions and practices. Number one, idolatry. Number two, occultism. Number three, cults and false religions. Number four, heresies. Is that correct? Heresies and, and wrong doctrines or errors, doctrinal errors. Brethren, there are errors. Not everything you hear a preacher says or a, a Christian believes is biblical. And they are what? Errors. It's n the issue of error does not belong to any particular church. See, the mainline churches have their own errors. Pentecostals have their own errors. Especially these days. 
Are you all following? So wherever your background, whatever you're coming from, wherever you're going, make sure you find out what is truth and error. You know, when I came to the Lord, one of the first things I tried to do is to sort truth from errors. Sort them out. I used to ask people who were saved. Even before I got saved, I'm a person who loves truth. I used to ask them, why are you telling us? In those days, I was a young Catholic boy. Why are you telling me not to pray the rosary? Not as if I was praying the rosary. I wasn't even. But you know, in religion, you hold on to your, your doctrines as legacies. Because your grandmother was a Catholic, your grandpa was a Catholic, pop, pop mom, everybody's Catholic. So I'm Catholic too. Whether you're going to church or not, you hold on to it. After my wife got saved, she's not here. She has told this testimony before. That's why I'm telling her. She got saved. And when some her new brethren would come to her room, they would still find rosaries hanging on the wall. They ask her, Sister Warren, what are you still doing with that? She said, leave it alone. <laughs> Until one day, one crazy brother yanked the thing down and said, no more. Do you understand? And that's how we are. Amen. Which other one, quickly? Evil covenants. That's number, four, number six. Number seven, tattoos and body marks. Number eight, and piercings, right? Names and naming. Was that clear too? So number nine? I think we did nine. I thought today is ten. Okay, my numbering is off. Is that what it is? All right. Today, guess what we are going to talk about? Two, we will try and take two. I don't know if we'll be able to do that. Today, we will deal with, first, fetish objects. Fetish objects. Did you hear me? Fetish objects. It's kind of tautological. It's kind of repetitive, but I'll tell you why I repeat it. A fetish object is an object that is believed to incubate or embody a spirit. A fetish object is a what? An object that is believed to incubate or embody a spirit and has a magical or mystical power or potency. That's a fetish object. An object that is believed to do what? Incubate or embody or if you like, inhabit spirits and has magical or mystical power or potency. That's a fetish object. You have an idea what I'm talking about. And sometimes fetish ideas can also be fetish. Are you following? Ideas can be fetish, especially religious people. They do certain things. For instance, and some actions may be fetish. For instance... Did you understand that? Sign of the cross can get fetish. A, a lot of this, for us, who don't practice juju and all that, some of us are really things that are related, quote, with Christendom. Amen? Some people get so fetish with ideas. Even sometimes when something is biblical, some people can get fetish with it. With it. Well, there's no power in that thing. Take, for instance, 
olive oil. You know, for some people, olive oil has become a fetish. But olive oil is something biblical. Amen? Let me tell you, if you're using olive oil with the belief that it has a magical power, it's a fetish object to you. It has no magical power. But if you use it as a token, if you approach it with a sense of symbol, a symbolism of something more real, because actually, strictly speaking, the olive oil, for instance, is a type of the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit came in person, it was, olive oil was a primary, I mean, in terms of imparting it, using it, it was a primary figure. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, we cannot lift olive oil more higher than the person of the Holy Spirit. If we do that, the olive oil has become a fetish. Are you following what I'm saying? So there are a lot of Christians who approach olive oil with a sense that it has a magical power. It has no magical power. How about holy water? That's not even biblical. Are you all following what I'm saying? So anyway, I don't want to go ahead of myself. But so some ideas can become fetish also. Hallelujah. Whenever you approach any object or any idea as something that has magical or mystical power, that idea or that object is a fetish. And usually these fetishes are believed to have or incubate or inhabit spirits. And the next thing that happens with these fetishes is that people begin to reverence them or respect them, even devote themselves to them and worship them. Is that true? Okay. Anything, object or idea that you treat that way, it's it's a fetish. And I can assure you that the true God has nothing to do with any such thing. Guess who has? Satan and his demons. Do you understand? Hallelujah. While we are this, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. And we may find a scripture later. You remember when the children of Israel were beaten by a serpent? Huh? Amen. And they were, because they sinned, they went to Moses and said, we have sinned. Go on our behalf to God. Ask him to forgive us. Moses went and God said, I've forgiven them. Say, how about the healing? He said, here's what you're going to do. Make a brazen serpent. Is that correct? And uh, put it on a pole. Hoist it up. You know what happened. And they got tremendous healings from it. And you know what they did after that? They, they didn't just carry the worship. They took it, held it to themselves, and began to worship it worship it until God noticed that it has become a fetish. And God said to them, destroy it. See, why? Let me say this to you. Any idea or object of worship, any religious idea or religious object that takes your attention, your respect, your love, your reverence, 
away from Jesus becomes fetish. Let me tell you this. Both the Father and the Holy Spirit are jealous about anyone or anything that would take reverence away from the Son. You know why he told them? You know why he was angry with them? Because that brazen serpent was only a type of Jesus and the cross. Does anybody follow? Because Jesus had not shown up. Because the cross had not happened. He gave them that idea and that object, the brazen serpent, to receive healing in that temporary for temporary healing at that time. Pending the time, the real thing will come, and that's Jesus. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? But after that, they clutched to that, and it was going to take attention from Jesus. That's why he had to put it aside. They gave it a name, Natushan, or something like that. Today is a lesson for you and me. Let me say, let me put it right to you. It's easy now for you to know what a fetish is. Any religious idea, any religious person, any religious object, of course, all religious objects. Christianity is not a religion of objects. Have you heard me say it before? And I'll keep saying it. It may be boring, but I keep saying it. Any of those things that takes attention, devotion, reverence, and worship away from Jesus is a fetish. And the only thing it can do to you is to break a wall in your spiritual defenses and expose you to demon, demonic invasion. Am I clear enough? All right. So, fetish objects attract people's reverence, attention, and um, worship. If people begin to see those objects with awe and reverence and respect, devotion and worship. And one thing you have to know about these fetish objects is that they are usually devoted to idols and are invest, infested by the spirit of such idols known as demons. Is that clear? In the Bible, they often refer to as cursed or accursed objects or things under the ban. And they're often used in occultism, in idolatry and occultism, or in cults for initiation and for initiation of sustenance of evil covenants. Fetish objects are normally used primarily in idolatry, in occultism, in cults, and for initiation and sustenance of sustenance of evil covenants. Praise the Lord. Amen? And evil legacies and evil inheritance. Let's look at some scriptures. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 to 6. Quickly, Exodus, the 20th chapter. Young people and old people, everybody be careful here. And there are modern versions of these objects. Praise the Lord. Amen? That you can be exposed to easily. Here's the key warning, the primary warning. In Exodus chapter 20, I will start from verse 20. Verse 3 to 6, I believe. You shall have no other gods before me. Who is speaking? 
Ah, huh? the Lord Almighty. What's his real name? Jehovah. Amen. Yeah, the English name for that Jehovah is Lord. Amen. The Lord God Almighty. You're right. You shall not make for yourself and what? Idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Now, this is it right there. Some of the fetish objects Christians use are made in the quote image of God. Are you all following? But, but God warned, don't make anything in my image. I want to say to you, no picture. You can look at any picture and say, that's Jesus. We have to get that clear. Are you following? Right. And um, even crucifixes. And um, whether you wear them on the neck and all that, at the maximum, at, at most, you use them for cosmetic purposes, not for any kind of spiritual power. Are you following? If you have any necklace that has a crucifix on it, please don't ever depend on that for spiritual power of any kind. You will get demons. You say, but that's Jesus on that cross. That's not Jesus on that cross. That's not even the cross. And I want to let you know, I want to say this to you and I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay very clear attention for the church. The cross is no longer an object. The cross is a biblical truth. The cross is Christ and him crucified. It's a spiritual reality. It's not a piece of metal, gold colored or silver colored, that you can pick up in a Christian bookstore. Worse still, if you get it from a botanica, that's even worse. So, if you have that, I'm not going to say don't wear it, but you have to pay, bear attention that it has no mythical or mystical or magical power to it. It's just, if you have to wear it, it's just a piece of jewelry. Are you following? See this sign here? For me, it's artwork. It has no power. At most, it's a religious icon. Are you all following? Now, don't ever take that piece of clock and roll it and put it under your pillow. If demons were three, before you did it, there would be seven, eight, and they would beat you up worse because at that time, the Holy Spirit would feel jealous about your sidetracking Jesus. Praise God. Amen? Now, did you see that scripture? It said, you shall not worship them or serve them. Worship what is worship? Worship is the totality of all you do as a child of God toward God. Your response to God as the king. That's what worship is. A lot of people think that worship is that session 
in the church service when we sing songs and dance and praise and get on cloud nine. That at most can be called praise worship because that's the praise and thanksgiving time is part of worship. But worship is, listen to me, the totality of your response to God, Jehovah as the king. That's worship. And that involves, the word there is reverence and awe. So anytime you approach anything with reverence and awe, you are worshiping that thing. You say, but I didn't sing a song to it. No, you are worshiping that thing. And worship involves service. Words of mouth, actions of service, and so on and so forth. And that's what the Bible is talking about here. You should not devote yourself to any of such things. Amen? And of course, you know what the consequences are. Go with me to Deuteronomy 7. And, and, and before you go to Deuteronomy 7, you shall not worship them or serve them. For I am I, the Lord your God, am a what? Jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. Amen. So if you are born again Christian, and you travel back home, and your grandfather says, I have something I'll give you. I got it from my own grandfather. And he gives you this object. No matter how it looks, no matter how small, no matter how big, he says, keep it. You ask him, what did your grandfather worship? <laughs> he tells you, he says, well, I have no more part for this. But some of you have a sense of false legacy and inheritance. It's called evil inheritance and evil legacy. You cut off at that time. You don't want that. They say, but you're the first male of this generation. It belongs to you. Say, it have nothing to do with it. I don't want it. Are you all following? Go with me to Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Amen? The seventh chapter. Verse 25 to 26. Deuteronomy 7, 25 to 26. That's what it says. The graven images of their God. Of their gods. God was warning Israel about when they entered the promised land. The book of Deuteronomy was written as a kind of a manual as to how they are going to conduct themselves when they enter into the promised land. Are you following? Huh? And a lot of things say there applies to us. Watch. The graven images of their gods you are to burn with fire. Always, the treatment of religious objects, false religious objects, is bonfire. Did you notice that? You are to burn with what? Fire. You shall, not, you shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them. Don't look at their monetary values. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? You know, God knows us. You can see a, an evil at work. I've been hanging on the wall. He said, my grandfather got it from World War II. And it's worth a million dollars now. God said, burn it. He said, a million? See, I'm not going to burn it. I'm going to sell it and give the tithe to a church. God doesn't want that tithe. I'll sell it and give it to charity. You can give it to Pauline. And God is not interested. Did you see the word there? 
You see, a lot of us have some ideas. We think we can be better than God. Don't covet the gold or the silver that's on them. That's on them. Nor take it for yourselves. Or you will be snared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Are you all following? Alright, moving on. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. No, sorry. Let, let, let's look at um, verse 5 of that Deuteronomy. Go back to Deuteronomy verse, chapter 7, verse 5. Verse 5. Here's what it says. And I read. But you shall do to them. Okay. Uh, but you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars. Did you notice that? There are those objects, and smash their sacred pillars, and hew down their asherim. Asherim, singular Asherah, was the fertility goddess of Canaan. And he has his objects all over the place. Amen? And burn their graven images with fire. Did you see that again? Why? For you are holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for his own possession, out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. That is the key secret why you should be careful what you bring into their home, into your homes, because you are holy people. What is the seal of holiness that God has put upon us? The what? The Holy Spirit. And if you bring in any of these things, it's called what? Those things are called what? Evil spirits. That's the point. There's a seal on you and me. It's called the Holy Spirit. The seal of the new covenant is a person. And it's called the Holy Spirit. We are the only people who have covenant with God whose seal of the covenant is a person. And not just a human, not a human person, but God himself is the seal. You know, for previous covenants, it's either the rainbow or the Sabbath or circumcision. Is anybody following what I'm saying? But when it comes to us, God said, I don't want types and figures. I will be your seal. The seal of my covenant with you. Come on. Do you know that those who live under other covenants were punished when they violated the seal? If they violated circumcision, you know what happened? Moses' wife almost killed him. He said, you're a bloody husband to me. You want to? Yeah. Sue is not my word. You do like that, say, Pastor. I'll show you where it was. He took a stone and circumcised his, her son right away because the man was too busy, couldn't do it. Say, you're a bloody husband to me. You want to kill me and my son? Get away. Those who violated the rainbow or the Sabbath. Now, how do you think you're going to violate the Holy Spirit and go scotch free? He warned us. He said, do not violate the Holy Spirit with whom you have been sealed until the day of redemption. So be careful what objects you bring into your house. That's why I say, Christian, you can't go and piercing your nose, your umbilicals, none of them. They belong to the Canaanites. Oh, that's what we dealt with last Thursday. Is that correct? All right. Go with me to Joshua chapter 6. Big trouble. Joshua 6, quickly. Let's go. Joshua 6. Are you in six? 
verse 18. The Israelites had conquered, um, I believe, Jericho. They're about to, here's the instruction. Here's the instruction they were given. Amen? In verse 18. 18. Let me start from 16. At the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the shout, sons, to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Did you notice that? The city shall be under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who were with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Amen? What verse is that? But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you do not cover them and take some of the things under the ban and make the, the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble upon it. A lot of things you see out there that look religious and even have some monetary value on it, you go and take them in. It's trouble upon you and your family. Are you all following what I'm saying? Ah, okay. The rings you're wearing, where did they come from? Finger rings, earrings, ankle bracelets. You know, we have some powerful uh, testimonies here. Remember? About one of our sisters, when she came here, she used to wear ankle bracelets. You know, there are things you don't let, you don't deal with arguments. And, and she's not the only one. They will give the, that testimony, those testimonies. And God has used them to correct other people. And one day I was teaching on a Thursday, and as I was teaching, the, the uncle where the breastless was, was burning her. Was burning. and burning and burning. She realized that when she got home, she took it off. Or I think before the service it was over. Because the Holy Spirit was using the word to say to her, these things don't belong here. This is my temple. It's your body, but it's my temple. What is that, Lord? Take off that ankle bracelet. It's a Canaanite culture. A lot of Canaanite cultures have been imported to New York. In the 21st century. But it's the same Holy Spirit who didn't want it in those days. Ah, come on, praise the Lord. That doesn't want them now. Why do you think there was a burning and itching around that? Because the demons that were on those objects could not take the heat of the world and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you all following? All right. What verse was that? Okay. Let's go to chapter 7. Did we read 18? We'll finish. Chapter 7, verse 12. Because they didn't pay attention to that, they came in contact with a less, a, a, a less stronger nation in war. They were defeated. Are you all following? AI. They conquered Jericho. Pulled down the wall of Jericho. And after that, you thought there was no other defeat for them. Are you all following? They met a less strong city known as AI. And they were defeated. Joshua could not take it. Joshua felt so humiliated. He went to prayer. He said, God, how come you gave us victory? 
over the fortress known as Jericho. And we fell in the hands of the tiny AI. Watch what happened. Amen. Because of time, I will just read a little bit. Verse 12 of chapter 7. Are you there? Okay, let me start from verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They have even taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Are you following? Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand up before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. Praise the Lord. Did you notice that? When they took in accursed objects, they became accursed. The demons in those accursed objects broke their spiritual defenses, subdued them, and their enemies came upon them. And whenever you do such things, the Holy Spirit pulls back. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit which is in you. You know, people ask the question, can a born-again Christian, can the Holy Spirit leave a born-again Christian? And they, for the questions, people, years, people ask me this question. So I went to God one day. I said, tell me, the, what, do you, what is the truth about it? He asked me a question. I told you before. He said to me, if you have a guest... And all of a sudden, you discover that the guest is still with you, but he's grieved. So what do you think happens? You will not be wondering whether he'll be leaving. You'll be the one asking him when he'll be leaving. <laughs> I'm serious. Because every time you come back from work, get even sir. That was Monday. You came back on Tuesday. Good evening, sir. If he wasn't reading the newspaper, he takes one up. On Wednesday, he said, good evening, sir. He raises the volume of the TV. What do you want for dinner, sir? Don't worry about me. But he's still there. Why? He's grieved. So God says to us, he didn't say don't let the Holy Spirit live or not live. He said do not grieve the spirit which is in you. So the question is not whether the Holy Spirit will live or not. Even if I, Holy Spirit, you're not living. But every day I'm grieving him. It will come to a point and say, I want to leave now. When would you like to leave? By which flight? Do you understand the message there? Okay, you didn't get it. These people are not settled with me. You're looking at me like, is that clear? All right, very good. So, that's what happened there. The name of the guy is Achan. Achan. I remember years ago, I told you the story. <laughs> We're in a fellowship service, <laughs> and there was some problem in the fellowship. We were trying to sort out. Everybody was sitting there. We're trying to sort out what's happening and how we can fix it. So we are taking turn asking brethren, what's going on? When it comes to this very religious sister, I mean, from way back. She said, there's Achan in the midst. 
And as long as there's Achan in the midst, we will have problems. She kept saying that. So the brethren couldn't wait till the end of service. So after the end of service, we shared the grace. People were going around and saying, who is brother Achan? <laughs> <laughs> you were in that service that night. First of all, was like, excuse me, who is this brother Achan? <laughs> So, Ekan is not a member of TLC, okay? So, that, I told this story so that you don't go out today and be calling people on phone. Sister Sue, who is who's Ekan? Sister Sharon, do you have follow-up list? Check if that's a brother. It's not a member of this church. It's a spirit of people who import things that belong to idols into their lives and into the midst of the house of God. That's what happened to Israel. Let me say this to you. What to do outside may affect this ministry. Are you understanding what I'm saying? All right. So Joshua got up. And when Joshua did investigation, found it was Achan. He eliminated Achan from the camp. That's how serious it was. Are you following? Huh? All right. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 12 quickly. Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Quickly, 1 to 3. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall carefully observe in the land which the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess as long as you live on earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. That's what is called the high places in the Old Testament. Amen? And if you want to study the careers of the kings of Israel, the north and the south, one measure that God used to measure their success, one of the primary measures is what they did, what they did with the high places. All the people, kings that are reckoned as kings, the first things they did when they came to power, they tore down the high places. Are you all following? They tore down the what? High places. And reestablished the worship of the true God. The thing that attracted God to Solomon the first time he came was that he discovered the Ark of the Covenant had been taken to one of the high places. When Solomon came to power, he looked for the Ark Found it on one of the high places. That's places where the Canaanite gods are being worshipped. He brought the, the ark back to Israel. That night, God showed up in his vision. That was the night God asked him, what do I do for you? One of the ways you can attract a new measure of the Holy Spirit is to look, hallelujah, for the truth and give up the objects. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And let's see what happens there. Verse 2, right? Is that verse 2? Okay, we are going to verse 3 now. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and burn their asherim with fire. You shall cut down the engraved, let's look at that, engraved what? Images of their gods and obliterate their name from that place. Praise the Lord. Amen. Go with me to Acts 19. 
Acts 19, the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. Let's look at some other fetish objects under the new covenant. Acts 19, verse 18 and 19. When Paul went to Ephesus and did ministry, one of the things he dealt with by the power of the gospel was this. Amen? Amen. After the case of this, uh, the miracles and the sons of Sceva, remember that incident? Huh? After that incident with the sons of Sceva, it says, verse 18, many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their what? Practices. Occultic practices. And many of those who practiced magic or occult brought their what? Books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and it was 50,000 pieces of silver. Praise the Lord. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. See, you have to get rid of occult objects from your life. One of the occult objects people can get involved in is horoscopes. Books, horoscope books, and their signs, zodiac signs, and dream books. Dream books. There are even Christians have books that interpret dreams. You shouldn't have no business with that. And some of you, you, don't, you shouldn't get over involved with dreams. It's not every dream that has to be interpreted. Are you following what I'm saying? So you can get carried away and get involved again in the occult. Let me read a few fetish objects. Fetish objects. I classified some of them. I'll read out a list for you. Number one, inherited objects. Inherited objects. These include false religious or occult objects. Are you following? Sometimes these are inorganic objects. Sometimes they are organic objects. Such as trees. Did you understand what I'm saying? Trees. There are places where people's, quote, destiny are linked up to certain trees. And they approach those trees with awe. They are covenant trees. So, trees, these things and demons are subject to us. Are you all following? Inherited religions or occult objects, dedicated trees, dedicated monuments, landmarks, titles, sociocultural and religious titles. Please, if you are born again Christian, you cannot be mixed up again with the world. Taking worldly titles just to feel important. God has anointed you and given you a title. Even if you don't belong to the fivefold, the title, come on, C-O-G, child of God, is more important than any title you will ever get from anybody. Are you hearing me? Child of God. I'm not even saying man of God or woman of God. Child of what? God. So be careful. You go to this, especially Africans among you. They say, are you coming in December? You say, yes, we have a title for you. By the time you get a title, your eyes are red. When you come back home, you can't sleep well. Because by some of them, they have initiated you. Are you all hearing me? All right. The so, 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 so one of this place. Be careful. Not all of them are evil, but be careful. Amen? All right. Okay. 
and rights of lineage. There are certain rights they will give you, say, because it's from their forefathers. Be careful. Amen? All right. Number two, general objects of religion. Some of you will not like this series. You see, I didn't bother you with them with it every year. And now I see where a lot of you didn't read Demons are Subject to Us. I'm bringing it to you. General objects of religion and occult, and occult, such as charms, amulets, talisman, holy water. Holy water is a fetish object. Olive oils. I told you, if you're using olive oil with a sense that it has a mystical or magical power or divine power, you've missed the point. It's only a token. The real, that represents something else. And the real thing is who? The Holy Spirit. Amen? So if you are using olive oil for anything, maybe to lay on the sick, or to use to dedicate a house or a car or anything, the picture there is not because the olive oil has any kind of power. It doesn't have. The idea there is that you are using it as a symbol. It's a symbolic thing. It's an emblem. Let me ask you a question. What is the real thing? If they put my picture there and me, which is the real thing? Can my picture talk? Don't get it wrong. If you deface it, you have me in mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You can vent your anger on me on it. I understand that. But that picture cannot stand and give you a message. So, so if you see my picture, it should turn your attention to me. Not that my picture has any power. Is that clear? All right. Good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, you have champs, scapula, and idols. You know, there are religious things known as scapula. Some people wear them. If before they travel, they have to find their scapula from the bottom of the box and put it on their neck and before the plane takes off. If the plane is falling, scapula will fly out of your neck. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. You have to bear the Lord in mind. You have to use your faith, perceive him, substantiate him, and reckon with his presence anywhere you are for safety and protection. And the Holy Spirit is there. You have to acknowledge his presence. That's what keeps you safe. It's not any scapula. It's not any object. Unbelievers, they have things in their pocket. And, and some court ministers, their rings are more than wedding rings. You have to watch out. They have stuff they depend on, they believe on. They have sticks. They have canes. Not long ago, a popular Nigerian minister brought out a cane, a stick, and said the previous leader of the ministry gave him this. I said, anytime you use it, you'll you, you see a miracle. That's a fetish. Do you understand what I'm saying? Christianity is not a religion of objects. Biblical Christianity, I tell you the truth, is not a religious of objects. I get nervous when I see people get infatuated with objects. Whether it's Pentecostal objects, charismatic objects, Catholic, Anglican, Baptist, Bapticostal, nothing. If your Christianity will get you to depend on any object of any kind, then you have not met Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
and you have not sensed, you have not met encounter with the Holy Spirit. Quote me anywhere. Praise the Lord. All right, number three, artworks. Artworks. It's good to buy some good artworks, and they are very expensive, but you have to check what you're buying. Any artwork that has an evil or horrifying image or unbiblical connotation does not belong in your hands. Did it? Is that clear? Any artwork that has a what? An evil or horrifying or unbiblical connotation does not belong with you. Examples. Let's say snakes, scorpions, dragons, and beasts, zodiac signs, any photograph, any posters, any charts that bear these things, any toy. I have seen children, uh, women or parents buying snake toys for their children. That's a fetish object. It's a cost object. Your walls, your clothing, some of the things that are there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's look at the fourth one, fetish objects. Properties. Properties. Real estate properties, furnishings, and other kinds of properties. They can be fetish objects. Some buildings, some homes, some houses, some grounds have been dedicated. And they have things there that will show you. You enter some house, there are public buildings in the city, buildings in the city that have images on them. And when you look closely, you find out that that's not that's a fetish object right there. Are you all following? So, these are some of the things that if you lay hold on them and keep them, they'll bring in demons. And your share, if you share accommodation with them, they will break the spiritual defense and cause you to get invaded with demons. Is that clear? And this is all we can take tonight. I thought we could take one more. But this is tonight. Isn't that a handful? Huh? So, fetish objects. Again, remember what fetish objects are? Any object or idea that has what? That can incubate evil spirits or accommodate or in uh, embody evil spirits and is what? And people believe it's magical, has magical or mystical power or potency. And you can go on. The list is endless. Praise the Lord. Amen. You have to be very, very particular, very meticulous. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Many times these are things people indulge in. Years ago, a brother invited us to his house, a born-again Christian, and for, you know, some kind of fellowship or something like that. Immediately I entered, there were almost about every chat on that, in that living room. Large living room was a picture of something unbiblical. I called his attention to it. And his eyes opened. Took them down. Sometimes you have spent money on the things they came with. Sometimes it could be designs on your clothing, on your fabrics. Are you all following? Amen. Some, some, of, some people who have evil artworks in their home sense a spirit of tension in the home. 
most of the time. Some of them cannot sleep well. Because when you brought those objects in, you brought a spirit with them. And there will be tension in the home. If you ever feel tense in your home, one of the things you have to consider is to check what you have. Now, pornographic materials belong here. You'll get that on tape next time. Did you hear me? Pornographic materials belong where? There. Pornographic magazines, videos, CDs, and all those things, they are accursed objects. Amen. Shall we rise? Are we ready?